Haunted Haulers Podcast, a place where your hosts, Wendy and April, discuss the creepy things that lurk in the misty shadows of the Appalachian Hills. I am, as always, the mysterious voice in the walls. Hey everybody, I'm Wendy. And I'm April. Today's tale falls more in the weird category than the spooky category, but it is an Appalachian oddity worth discussing. In 1876, Allen and Mary Crouch owned a farm in the Olympia Springs area of Bath County, Kentucky. On the day of March 3rd, Mary was working outside making soap. It was a beautiful, crisp, and clear day. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. Suddenly, a substance began falling from the sky in flakes, almost like snow. While it often snows in March in Kentucky, this substance was red, not white, and looked like pieces of beef. This strange phenomenon continued for about 10 minutes And when it was over, pieces of meat ranging from 2 inches to 4 inches covered an area roughly the size of a football field on the Crouch Farm. It was later said that enough meat fell to fill up a horse cart, which would be roughly 150 pounds of meat. Mary was baffled by this occurrence, while the Crouch family cat was delighted by this offering of meat from the heavens and promptly began to feast upon it. Mary's first inclination was that the meat shower was a sign from God, and whether it was a miracle or a warning, she did not know. The meat littering the ground and hanging off the Crouch's fence appeared to be fresh and raw. It appeared to have been torn into pieces rather than butchered precisely. The Crouches were leery of the meat and didn't want anything to do with it, but as things go in small towns, word quickly spread. The next day, people from all around town stopped by the Crouch farm to see the remnants of the meat shower. While the meat may have been fresh when it fell, after sitting out all night, it had gone bad. However, this didn't stop two curious spectators from conducting a taste test to determine what the meat was. Their consensus, after sampling the meat, was that it was either deer or sheep. People in the community had their own theories as to where the meat came from, including that it was extraterrestrial livestock meat from outer space, or that it had been dropped from some tornado-like weather event. Samples of the meat were collected and sent to various scientists and researchers. However, these experts could not seem to agree on the origins. One scientist claimed that the meat was lung tissue that could only have come from two sources, either a horse or an infant human being. Another said that while the origin of the meat could not be determined, the meat itself did contain lung and organ tissues, as well as cartilage and muscle tissue. Some researchers didn't believe the meat was actually meat at all. One proposed that the substance was actually a bacteria called Nostoc that, when wet, swells into a gelatinous goo. Most of this has a seaweed-like appearance and is green, but certain varieties do appear flesh-colored, and he suspected that this was one of those. Another proposed that the substance was actually amphibian spawn that had been picked up and scattered by the wind. However, the most plausible and widely accepted theory is that a flock of vultures was flying overhead and they chose the moment they were flying over the Crouch Farm to disengorge their previous meal, which was scattered by the wind over the large area. Turkey vultures are common in Kentucky, and as scavengers, they feed on whatever meat carcasses is readily available. However, sometimes they have to make a hasty departure, and flying when their stomachs are full isn't an easy task. They have a built-in defense regurgitation in which they will vomit the contents of their stomachs to lighten the load and make it easier to fly. When one vulture does this, the rest of the flock follows suit. This is the opinion that was later published in the Louisville Medical News Journal and would explain why the meat appeared to have been torn and why it contains such a wide variety of tissue types. 
now it's time for the breakdown. I don't even know where to begin <laughs> with this one, but I would like to say one thing. As a vegan, this is my worst nightmare. I cannot imagine this happening to me. My okay. worst nightmare. Uh, first of all, I just have to say, who thinks, you know, this weird, mysterious, raw meat-looking substance just fell out of the sky yesterday, and it's been hanging out on the ground overnight, but I think I'll pick it up and taste test that. Who does that? For science. <laughs> For science <laughs> reasons. For science. Yes. Who does that? I don't know. I don't know. Why would, <laughs> why would someone pick that up and taste test it? And how did they come to the conclusion... Oh, it's deer or lamb? Was it or was it sheep? Yeah, so yeah, so mutton or venison, I guess, was what they thought it tasted like. Oh my! And, oh my! And who knows what raw venison and raw <laughs> mutton tastes like anyway? Oh, there's so much wrong with that. Just there's in that, there's so much wrong with that. I don't know. So, I did a deep dive on vultures here. <laughs> oh, I did too. And that's what that's what this case did to me. I went and did a deep dive on vultures, and I learned way more about vultures than I really ever wanted to. And so, one of the things I found out is, you know, first what they're called. Um, you know, if you have a large group of vultures together, you have a committee. When oh. they're flying, they are a kettle. And when they are feeding, they are awake. Hmm. They're called awake. So, one thing I found out is if they are threatened, um, they regurgitate. So, it's a defense mechanism. So, imagine you have something coming at you and you're scared. It's like, what's your superpower? I throw up on <laughs> command. Um, they can make themselves throw up to either distract the prey or, you know, as a way to scare off the prey. So it's, it's, it's kind of like, what's your superpower? Yeah. I throw up. Well, I thought that was interesting, too, because, you know, that seems to be the most widely accepted theory of where this meat came from. So, you know, our two curious bystanders there were taste-testing vulture yeah. <laughs> vomit. But, okay. So I read a little bit about them, too, because I was like, okay, first of all, how many vultures would you have to have to have 150 pounds worth of meat exactly. vomited all over this football field size but, area. But I'm guessing at least two. <laughs> oh no, bare minimum. Oh, no. So that bred, well, excuse me, that brought me to the question: um, If there are that many vultures vomiting from the sky, she's looking around. Obviously, when this stuff starts raining out of the sky, you know she's going to look up and see, you know, what, what's going on. Um, and she didn't see any vultures. And, you know, it was a clear day. There were no clouds. So that led me to the question, well, how high do vultures fly? Could they have been high enough up in the sky that she could not see them? And I discovered that pilots have recorded seeing them as high as 20,000 feet. Okay, that's pretty neat. So I would imagine if a huge group of vultures is 20,000 feet in the air vomiting, you might see the meat coming down. You may not see the vultures where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. And, okay, in my deep dive, and a lot of this came from the spruce.com. So, as I'm doing my deep deep dive, um, that I wondered the same thing. How many vultures would it take? And I couldn't find an exact number of how much food or how much meat a vulture could hold in its stomach at one time or how much it could consume. But I did find that when a vulture eats, um, it gains about four pounds. So, let's imagine that that is four pounds of meat. So, 
a vulture getting four pounds, you divide that by 150 pounds of meat. I think my number was like 37.5, so you would need around 37, 38 vultures. It's a lot of vultures. That is a lot of vultures, but surprisingly a smaller amount than I expected <laughs> for, that, for that amount of vomit. So I'm wondering, though, like you said, if there's that many vultures in the sky, why didn't she see them? But again... If they're up as high as what you said, you know, if airplane pilots have seen them, then maybe they are up that high um, to where she couldn't see them and she just saw the meat falling. So that that does kind of make sense. Mm -hmm. And also, the other thing with their regurgitation, they don't do it just as a defense mechanism for fear. Um, if they want to fly, they can regurgitate so that the flying is lighter for them. They have a lighter body and they can fly longer distances. So that's a pretty neat thing about them. I found out so much about vultures that I never wanted to know <laughs> because of this. And also I found out vultures and buzzards are completely different. Yeah, I had always thought they were just called buzzards. Yeah. So anytime I saw them on the side of the road, I was like, oh, look, it's a buzzard. Mm -hmm. No. Mm -mm. That's what my parents always called them. Right. But apparently Kentucky has two different types of vultures. One is the turkey vulture, which is probably what this group of vultures was. And they only eat dead things. And when I thought about that, too, I was like, okay, vultures eat dead things. But supposedly, when this meat first fell from the sky, it was raw and fresh. Mm -hmm. So I did a little research into that. And turkey vultures only eat dead things, but they want fresher dead things. Exactly. So, like, 12 to 24 hours post-mortem is kind of their sweet spot for. and i saw once it got to about day four they wouldn't touch it right they didn't want anything to do with it because mm -hmm. it was too spoiled for them. so maybe if this was a recent kill you know they come along if they, if they think it's a deer or they think it's a, a mutton they come around they find this animal that's recently deceased they eat it and then very shortly after vomit it back up maybe it could have been raw and fresh so I ask you, is this a paranormal podcast or are we now a science podcast <laughs> yes i'm not sure a little bit of both well, I just think that this is such an interesting thing because, okay, we're talking about 1876. Okay, so mm -hmm. this is a long time ago. And we talk about, you know, science, and they sent stuff off to scientific people to get testing done. But when we think about 1876, you know, your scientific testing was pretty much limited to what you could put on a microscope and look at, mm -hmm. you know, put on a slide and look at under a microscope. And so... It wasn't like they had DNA testing or genetic testing right. or anything like that. And there is still a sample of this meat around. Um, it's owned by Transylvania University. And there's a story about that we'll get to momentarily. But a while back, they tried to have it like genetically tested mm -hmm. to see if they could figure out what kind of animal this meat came from. Because, you know, there was all kinds of theories. <laughs> One that cracked me up the most was that they thought, you know, maybe a planet had exploded somewhere near us and oh, they were uh, getting like alien livestock <laughs> because, <laughs> I guess in 1876 they didn't think about the fact that it probably wouldn't survive its trip to earth but right. they thought they were getting some alien livestock or maybe some extraterrestrial flesh that just kind of rained down upon them <laughs> but they, they sent this sample off or parts of this sample off to try to have it be genetically tested but I mean it's so old and rotten at this point, and it wasn't stored probably in the best way for that. They, it was really inconclusive. Oh, that's <clears throat> disheartening. I would love to know what that is. And, it, you know, the fact at this time, when they were saying, oh, it could be 
horse or it could be an infant human yeah. being. Can you imagine being one of the guys who tried that meat? And then a week later, the guy's like, well, we think it's the lungs of a horse or a baby. Didn't you try that? Nope. No, I did not. I did not try that. I don't know what you're talking about. Never tried it. Unintentionally cannibalizing. Yes. This is this story gets crazier and crazier by the minute. Well, if you ever were curious what this meat tasted like, um, you know, there is possibility, a chance that you could try it out for yourself and see what you think. Because in 2007, there's this gentleman named Kurt Goad, and he is a professor of art at Transylvania University. And he got really interested in the story, and he has actually got to digging around in the archives down there, and I guess he's the one that found the sample of the meat. And so he sent it off to have it analyzed. He sent it to a taste lab in Cincinnati, and he had them analyze this piece of meat, or part of it, I guess, and then they created jelly beans that are supposed to taste like the meat. And in 2007 at Court Days, which is a big deal in Mount Sterling, mm -hmm. Kentucky, oh, yeah. he apparently had tins of these jelly beans and was passing them out to people, having them try them, and then report back to him what they thought it tasted like. Amazing. <laughs> I've never been so happy to be a vegan in my life. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'd like to know how many listeners out there are giving veganism or vegetarianism a shot right now. I've got pointers this. if you need them. And if any of you were at the court days in 2007 and tried out these uh, these meat-flavored jelly beans, we would love to know your experience. I would love to know, yes. But some of the things that they were dark red, of course, had to mm. be, had to be dark red jelly beans. Um, some people reported that they reminded them of raw bacon. Um, another pair said that they tasted like a strawberry pork chop. And another person said they tasted like a heavily sugared bacon with a metal aftertaste. And apparently no one has ever wanted to try these twice. And this yeah. professor of arts uh, still has quite a few of these tins hanging around on campus. Put me down for a no. <laughs> yeah, what he, can, he can keep them. And what are these citizens doing that they know what raw bacon tastes like? And they know, what's a strawberry May, pork chop? Maybe when they talk about raw bacon, they're talking about the texture. Maybe. But they, know. you did say they were jelly beans, though. Yeah, so I, jelly beans. I don't beans. know. That's, that's weird. And here's my question. And I'm not a science person, exactly. But how does this lab determine what this you know, over a hundred-year-old hunk of meat tastes like in order to That's then true. flavor these jelly beans like it. I don't know how they would... Yeah, they'd have to extrapolate that somehow. Maybe they're looking at the protein or on, on just a molecular level to figure that out. Maybe. I'm going to leave you meat eaters to figure that out. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm confused by all of it. But think about it. You're this woman, you're in your yard. Not in your own business. Yeah. Making your <laughs> just soap. Making your soap. Getting your, getting your chores just done. Just want to make my soap and meat starts falling from the sky. I know what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to be in the fetal position crying. <laughs> fetal, yes. And then as soon as that's over, you're going to put up a for sale sign. <laughs> yeah. But how, you, how would you explain that? What would be your explanation? I mean, you know... I, I, you know, we keep going back to that, you know, this is the Bible Belt, we're in Appalachia. You know, her first thing was, this is a sign from God. I think I would have to go with that because right now it's the one making the most sense. I don't know 
And she was like, I don't know if it's a miracle or if it is, you know, <laughs> if it's a warning. It's like, you know, what, what's, what are you trying to tell us here? I don't know about the miracle part. I mean, unless I there was famine and this was their <laughs> manna from heaven. I, I'm it's not possible. Sure. It's a possibility. <laughs> Did but they I... try to make a snowman out of it? Oh, <laughs> no. Please, no. <laughs> well, if we had two people trying it out, I mean, anything's possible. And apparently a butcher also took a piece Please of it no. and, like, fried it up and huh? said it was quite at least he fried it. At least he cooked it. At least he did not just pop a big piece of raw oh. meat in his mouth. So, yeah, I think I, at this point I'm going with the vultures. I think that makes the most sense. I do have more respect for them now, knowing what their superpower is, that they can regurgitate. Um, that's pretty cool. Well, and so many of the other theories that people had relied on weather events. Um, you know, because they were talking about like that bacteria, but I wouldn't think that a bacteria that had this property to become gelatinous when it's wet. I mean, first of all, it wasn't raining that day. Mm -hmm. So that one doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It wasn't wet outside. It wasn't raining. So what activated the bacteria, you know, right. to make it puff up? And, you know, I saw a few pictures of it in my research and it didn't look like meat to mm -hmm. me. I mean, it looked like. I don't know, something you'd see come out of the water, you know, like seaweedy like okay. stuff. Um, and then the other theory about it being reptile eggs. I mean, I can't, I've seen tadpoles, you know, before they pop out of the eggs. We have a lot of that going on in the spring around here. You know, mud puddles are full of frog eggs. I've seen those. I don't think I would mistake that for meat. I wouldn't think so. Not and, that I would do that. And how would it get picked up? And, you know, dropped in, you know, especially there's clear, calm day. No wind, no nothing. So how's it getting picked up? Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Uh, some of the other crazier stories that I read about, um, one person suggested that two people nearby had gotten into a knife fight and that there was some kind of a weather-related event that picked up their remains and blew them out over that's her a, house. That's a lot of remains. <laughs> Ooh, big stretch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, we're, we're trying to connect some dots yeah. here, just, you know, whatever way we can, I guess. Wow. Well, listeners, if you've never heard of the Kentucky Meat Shower, you have now. We would love to know what you think caused all of this and how you would react if something like this ever happened to you. So let us know on our media. You can contact us on Facebook and Instagram at Haunted Haulers. You can also send us an email at hauntedhaulers at gmail.com. And we also have a webpage, www.hauntedhaulers.com. Until next time, listeners, beware of things lurking in the shadows. <laughs>